season three of Never Have I Ever drops August 13th, 2022, which is one of the reasons why we're rebroadcasting Never our episode of Never Have I Ever this week. And now here we go to the show. Hey friends, it's Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous and I'm your host, Julia. And one of our regulars is back. Can you guess? You guessed it. It's Shy. And we are here to talk about Mindy Kaling's show, Never Have I Ever. Hey friends, love our show, but hate the commercials? Become a pop culture club member on Patreon for $15 a month to receive ad-free episodes with bonus content, bonus episodes, a virtual meetup to, to discuss movies and television, and so much more. To learn more about how to become one of our Patreon pals, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com or hit the link in our show notes. Have you ever experienced analysis paralysis when trying to craft your business's brand? A new kind of brand kit that takes the decision-making off your plate and delivers both strategy and a high quality visual identity. The brand kit is designed to make branding your biz easy by taking out as many of the agonizing decisions as possible. Here's how it works. You start by taking the archetype brand quiz, which Kelly wrote to be reminiscent of those old 17 magazine quizzes. You remember those, right? Once you finish the quiz, you'll get a link to your suggested archetypes brand kit. This kit contains all the elements you need for a solid brand that reflects your brand's personality. No more pouring over color swatches or trying to find just the right font. If you're ready to get yours, visit pleasantcreative.co today. Never Have I Ever is a Netflix original that dropped on April 27th, 2020, and this coming-of-age story of an American Indian teen was exactly what I think we all needed, <laughs> personally. But we're going to now recap the show, but also welcome, Shy. Welcome back. We're so glad you're here. It's, it's rare that I'm here for something that's not a Marvel project. I, I know. I kind of feel like I'm... Out of all the people, all your friends that I might be the best person to speak to about, about never him. have I ever. Yeah. Obviously. Totally. <laughs> obviously, you're like, obviously, let's pan over my face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's recap really quickly for our friends at home. Okay. Never Have I Ever is an American coming of age comedy drama television series about an Indian American high school student dealing with the death of her father step into the complicated life of modern day first generation Indian American teenage girl inspired by Mindy Kaling's own childhood I think I got that summary from Netflix if I think it is a Netflix original and so on April 20th 2020 Variety published a review titled Netflix's Never Have I Ever from Mindy Kaling and Lang Fisher and had this to offer. Never Have I Ever is far from the first time a Kaling production has tried to take pre-existing tropes and filter them through a more unique lens. See rom-coms, The Mindy Project, and Four Weddings and a Funeral. But it does feel most immediately sure of itself and what it can offer that other shows in its genre didn't and or don't thanks to more monochromatic casts and perspectives couldn't with enough self-awareness and empathetic acting to ground and elevate it never have i ever makes for a smart refreshing and frankly overdue change of pace this show has universal appeal because of its teenage themes but at the same time we get a full view of what it's like to be an indian american teen but also it doesn't leave out her friends or other supporting characters from the show let's talk about why we love the show i'm assuming i don't want to assume you love the show <laughs> i do i do love the show i'm a big fan of mindy kaling mm -hmm. um, but i would like to hear why you are a fan of the show so I really just felt like the like the lead character, the desire to be sort of like cool, but also like she's trying, like there's just so much like angsty conflict within her that I was like, that's so, that's such a teenage feel, you know, she's not melancholy the way that Angela was from so um, it's my so-called life or you know, other teenage shows that were impressionable, but like, she was just, 
she was a dick, but she also loved her friends. And there was something about that combination that I just thought was so fun. It's, and I think it's a total Mindy Kaling trademark. Like she does that. She has these characters who are kind of like a little bit of an asshole, but also like, you just can't help but love them because Mm -hmm. they don't, they have redeeming qualities as well. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I work in the office, work in the mini project. Mm-hmm. Think all, they all have characters like that. Mm-hmm. So I just love that she gave us a character that was so relatable, but then tied in like what it was like to have um, immigrant parents that weren't from that weren't from a Latin America country. You know, it's the Indian American Indian American group. Ugh, words are hard. <laughs> okay (laughs) her parents immigrated from india so it's that that perspective of an immigrant immigrant story and just all of the different there's so i learned so much from watching it and i'm you know curious to learn more now because of this show about the indian culture okay that's cool i yeah i thought first of all i think we've touched on this in another show that like having uh an indian main character blew my mind like mm-hmm. that and she's like a young teenager and I feel like uh, just the first time watching this show I was like I this was like my life back when I was a teenager I very I very I mean I don't think I was an asshole like she like Vivi is <laughs> but like the like the scholarly nerdy horny teenager thing like that's mm-hmm. kind of like a universal not universal because not everyone was like nerdy but like I very much felt like that was me and the fact that she was Indian like really it was like it was bizarre to me to watch it because I've never had that before mm-hmm. in my life like being able to um I feel like Mindy Kaling is the only person that has been making television that I can see myself in mm-hmm. so I really appreciate her work in that but I, I really enjoyed the show and I, I have friends that aren't Indian that enjoy the show as well so I feel like there's something for everyone there you don't have to be you know Indian to enjoy it like her best friend Fabiola one of her best friends Fabiola like mixed mom- girl yeah it's like mm, I just feel like yeah fa- yeah thank you thank you Mindy Kaling for not giving her a white best friend <laughs> yeah which there's nothing wrong with that but I feel like there's always like a caveat right like and I know mm-hmm. that she's I can't remember which book she wrote it in or if she's publicly said it in interviews I can't remember which one it happened but she said like somebody told her she's only ever going to be the best friend like that's all she'll ever be in Hollywood Oh, Mindy. Yeah. Of she looks. Yeah. And I, I remember love- seeing like people are like, oh, you have a lot of self-confidence. And she's like, well, why shouldn't I have self-confidence? Because I'm a woman, because I'm a woman of color, because I am not like a super skinny stick. Like, are those all reasons that I should not be ashamed of myself? Right. right? Like I should be ashamed of myself. I don't know. Right. And I just love that she creates characters that are strong and confident. Like the lead is always strong and confident. So she's giving us a brown lead who is just like, I mean, Debbie has her moments where she's just like doubting herself, but that's just normal. That's just teenage. That's just being a teenager. Like you've got all these emotions flooding, but I love that she, (laughs) I love that at the end of season one, she's like going for it. She's like, I'm going to date Paxton and whatever the other one's called Ben, not Ben. What's the other one called? No, not Ben. I don't, is it Ben? But I would ne- I never would have done that as a high school kid. But maybe I would have. Oh, yeah, I me either. Like- no, I didn't have my first kiss until I was like 19. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Oh, it is Ben. Yeah, Ben. So I love that she's just like dating both of them. And Paxton's just real cute. I mean, they're both really cute, mm-hmm. but like Paxton clearly is supposed to be the hot one, you know? And she's just like, I'm like, yes, thank you. <laughs> like, give the nerdy girl the hot boyfriend option. I really appreciate that you did that, Mindy. And she does that for like all the things. And it makes Mm -hmm. me so happy. Um, I'm curious though, like we had a conversation, I don't know, one of the times you were here off, like before we went online to record about how you really related to the tiger mom aspect of the show. Oh yeah. I think that's just like a usual, a general, like Asian thing is to have a tiger mom. So it was, uh, kind of refreshing. Like, I don't think, I don't know if people that aren't Indian or aren't Asian can relate to the whole tiger mom aspect, but it's, sorry, mom, if you're listening to this, but it can be really, really hard, like, like really damaging to your emotional and 
a mental well-being to have a tiger mom yeah because it it puts a lot of pressure on you and if you don't live up to that pressure like you feel like a failure like even if you're like almost there but Mm -hmm. you're not quite there like no matter if you don't hit that you're done like you're fear of failure so I I I get that tiger mind thing and I like that I got to see somebody else living through the tiger the mom thing and maybe it feels a little bit more um like a shared trauma Mm -hmm. (laughs) rather than than one my own to bear I I mean I can't relate on the level of being from the same descent but I can't I do understand the nice seeing something represented that you know you realize maybe is a little universal and not just like an isolated incident I feel like Debbie's mom was really nice in some ways though like maybe it is because they had lost their dad so she maybe but I don't feel like they showed any kind of abuse that is kind of normalized in Indian society mm. like physical abuse so mm. I, I am grateful for that that they didn't actually have that on screen because I don't know if I could have I know I, I remember talking to my sister about never have I ever and some of the ways that the mom spoke to Devi like really struck with her too like remembering like being that young and feeling super vulnerable as like a person that you're trusting is like in your face screaming at you yeah it, it can be a lot especially when you're a teenager and you're not emotionally prepared or can ready to handle something like that sure the cut ran an op-ed it was titled give never have I ever a chance and the writer um I apologize if I butcher her first name I realized in watching never have I ever that I've never like learned how to say Indian names properly and so then that made me feel like a really bad person <laughs> because it's like shit like ah like do better like be well you're not the only one I mean my name is Shireen nobody calls me Shireen mm-hmm. everyone calls me shy because a long time ago they decided like Shireen is too hard to say I'm my name's hella basic like <laughs> Julia like it's very old the point is is that names are important and we should be able we should do our best to acknowledge and say the name as correctly as we possibly can and like recognize that your name is important to who you are for some people some people don't give a shit about their names but for me like my name's very important to me if I ever got married still gonna be a Washington sorry guys <laughs> I get that I feel like at this point in my life though like everyone knows me as shy like I can't I feel like it would be weird at this point to like be like no call me Shireen mm-hmm. I just feel like I don't know I probably would just stick with it now. Yeah. I'm almost 40. Might as well. Yeah. (laughs) I get that. Anyway, back to this cut op-ed where Sanjita, it's S-A-N-G-E-E-T-A. Sanjita, yeah, that's Sanjita. Sanjita seeing Kurtz where she admits that her expectations were outrageously high, but she acknowledges that while she wants a more diverse representation of the Indian Indian American experience presented that can't weigh solely on Mindy Kaling's shoulders, she ends her piece with this. It's a good thing that we can turn on Netflix and see a horny Indian girl who's both a nerd and an asshole. I like seeing her get fed up with her culture, but also just being a teenager and watching her pray to Ganesha before blacking out at a house party I haven't seen that before and while never have I ever will have its detractors even or perhaps especially among those who see themselves in it it shouldn't have to tick every box to be enjoyable which ultimately it is so I want to talk about a couple of different things like is Mindy Kaling just sort of scratching the surface on what we could potentially get in terms of content if we had more Indian creators? And then the other part of that is like, I totally want to talk about all the relationships on the show, like all the different dynamics and all the things. But let's start with like my first my first thought, because I think about that all the time in the Black community, like we're only scratching the surface about the Black community. So we must only be scratching the surface for everybody else as well, because there's mm-hmm. very little representation for Indian Americans in Hollywood. Oh, absolutely. And I feel like I feel really bad for Mindy Healing because I feel like it is all on her shoulders right now. She's literally like her and Lily Singh, I think, are the only content creators that are Indian and they're also both female. So they have a very different approach than any, I mean, any other Indian person. I know that in the Indian community, Mindy Healing herself is very um, polarizing. Mm. Men seem to not like her. I'm, I'm going to be very generalizing right now, sure, but it sure. seems like men don't really seem to love her. 
women are like, it's cool that she's doing stuff, but they don't technically always love her either. I personally love her because I dig her sense of humor and her sense of style. Um, but I feel like everyone is expecting to have their own story told through her eyes. And I'm like, she can only do so much. She can only tell her own story. Like if you want to have, tell your own story, then tell your own story. Like don't expect her or get mad at her to not be able to tell your story when all she can tell you is what, how she feels and her personal story behind it. So I feel like people unnecessarily shit on her when they really shouldn't. Also, for some reason, like guys are like, she's not funny. And then they'll turn around and say, the office is my favorite show. (laughs) She wrote like every, like every other episode. The best episode she wrote. Like what is wrong with you that you were, that you're so like in your head about like women, like when women can't be funny or just specifically Mindy Kaling can't be funny to you, but then you also love the office. Like, you can't have both. You can't do yeah. both. Yeah. Um, so I do feel like she gets uh, a lot of the ire of the Indian community, but that's only because she's one of the very few people in our community that are out there and like doing things and are well-known. So it's, God, it's a lot of pressure. I can't even imagine the pressure because, you know, she grew up in what, Massachusetts. So mm, like, so. that's a completely different experience than growing up in California. Her parents are doctors, which I don't know. Like, I know the stereotype is that, you know, a lot of Asian and Asian Americans become doctors because that's like what you're supposed to do. Like, that's a stereotype that we see presented in pop culture all the time, but I just, I can't even imagine. And I think she, I think she's handling it well from the outside as from what we can see. I think she's handling yeah. it pretty well. And I feel like also she does have a tendency to fi- have um, white boyfriends on her shows. Like if she's on a yeah. show, she always marries a, or like is with a white guy. The only mm-hmm. time I feel like she like dated an Indian guy on Mindy Project and in the office she did marry the, the super handsome doctor. Oh my gosh, so who comes friend. back to be the dad on Never Have I Ever. I love oh, how loyal man. she is to people that Side she's note, with. Say no, when she does cast Indian guys on her show, she picks the cutest yeah. ones. Oh my God, she's doing them a service by yeah. picking like super handsome Indian guys to represent like- India yeah. in these shows that some like people that might not know Indian people are watching like yeah the guy yeah. from four weddings and a funeral oh my gosh he's so handsome me so and one of my best friends are like he's so beautiful We're, I'm gonna watch that new show out on HBO with him on it too he's gonna be in a new show I think it already aired it was called like love struck or something like that oh he's yes so yes yeah. I didn't realize there's so much content out there that it's so hard to like take it all in and the algorithms totally make me miss things, which is really irritating. I, I just, I really want four weddings and a funeral to have a second season, but it's been so long since the first one that I don't know if that's going to happen. It was cute. I actually really like that show too. I thought she did a great job with it. I thought she did a great job with paying, like keeping in tune with the original and the mm-hmm. original concept, but still sort of making it her own and bringing in not just a diverse cast, but a really unique way to tell the story. I thought. Yeah, I thought so too. I like watching it in the winter. <laughs> it's like, oh, I can't wait for November so I can watch it again. <laughs> but I want to talk about the relationships too on this show. Like there's so many different types of dynamics that are coming across. Like you have Debbie and her two best friends, Eleanor and Fabiola, and then Debbie with her dad. Her relationship with her dad is such a huge part of the show, both in season one and in season two. And then she and her mom. And then I couldn't remember if Common was in season one. I don't think so. I think he was just in season two. Just in season two. And then their dynamic. I was like, listen, I realize that I'm probably old enough to be Debbie's mom, but I'm here for this mom common situation. Mm-hmm. Anyway, did you have like, was there any particular relationship storyline that you really gravitated to the most in a positive way? My favorite positive relationship on that show was between Debbie and her dad. That was a really good, like it was like an unconditional love. Like you could tell that she adored her dad and put him on a pedestal. Maybe to to her detriment because once he was gone, like her mom would never live up to that you know expectation and that was like another point against the mom even if it was like undeserved or whatever yeah but um but I thought I thought 
showing a great father-daughter relationship like that was really cute. I really like, so for those of you listening who haven't seen the show, I don't know what you're doing with your lives because you need to hurry up and go get go get Netflix to watch it. At the beginning of season one, Debbie, we learned that Debbie's dad has died. Was it a car accident? Oh my gosh. I don't remember. I haven't watched season one. Or a heart event. It was something that was unexpected that happened. So they weren't like, so it was a surprise. Like, I mean, death is always a surprise, but when someone's older and like ill, you kind of expect it, but this was a surprise situation. So we open with season one. She can't walk like her. She has a physical reaction to the emotions she's experiencing. And so she's not walking. And so she goes to therapy and all these things. And Nisi Nash plays her therapist, which so I love. Yeah, she was great. I love that she roasted her. Like, she's like, what's wrong with you, Debbie? Like, I'm wearing this and you're not making fun of me. Like, you're clearly not okay. Oh, I love that. That's another thing that I really loved. I loved her relationship with her therapist. I thought mm-hmm. showing that much of her in therapy was really good to help normalize the conversation. You know, it's okay to get help from someone who's a mental health professional and that's there's also a very taboo thing in the Indian community getting mental health it's it's a struggle and 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 I feel like that's true for a lot of cultures that are not white but I can understand why it would be harder and especially when you have um come from a culture that has been around for as long as an Indian culture or the Chinese culture or you know some some culture that's been existence for millennia I do think though, so back to my point, I do think though, I really love at at the end of season two, how they kind of realize that like, they need to learn how to build their own relationship now that dad's Mm -hmm. gone Yeah, and they, and they try. And I just, I loved that. I loved that sort of resolution. It's gotta be hard to be, well, I was gonna say it is hard being a single parent. I totally get that, but I've never lost my beloved in that way so I can't imagine what it's like to be going through grief raising a (laughs) thank you Connor a horny teen in all the reviews I've read and struggling with what that means I loved that they showed her mom dating again Mm -hmm. and just building that relationship with Common and how she sort of hid it from the family like I can't tell you how many times I've told my son that I'm going to go and meet a friend for coffee (laughs) and it's a date. (laughs) Cause like, how do you talk to your children about that? Like, Mm -hmm. it's so awkward, especially when it's just been like the two of you for so long. I also thought the Debbie and Paxton and Ben dynamic wasn't, was funny. And it's funny or like tragic. I thought it was a little bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit of both. But I do love that in season two, we get more of Paxton's story and mm-hmm. he's, you know, seen as this sort of dumb jock kind of guy. And when they definitely first- humanized him a lot in that season. Mm-hmm. Which is- and both of the boys, I think they did a good job of like giving them more nuance than just like the asshole nerd or yeah. the the hot jock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oh, they were just so cute. Anyway, Who do you want her with more? You want Paxton. I'm a sucker for a pretty boy. <laughs> Paxton is very sweet, but I feel like in the long run, Ben would be better for her because he can yes. match wits with her. And I yes. think like she would need that in, in a relationship, somebody that can like go head to head with her and like not put up with her shit. Yes. Cause she'll get bored with Paxton at the end of the day. She's going to get bored with Paxton. I think that's where it might be heading. Cause yeah. it seems like towards the end of season two, like they were kind of hinting at a well, I mean, no, I'm not hinting. They like did it, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I think so. And he's going through his own emotions too because he's realizing that people only see him as a jock, as a pretty face, and he believes that he's more than that. So, like that struggle, I thought I was like, "Thank you for giving us that," because I think we do forget sometimes that like there could be a little bit more to somebody than just a pretty face mm-hmm. and a hot body. And he's <laughs> over eighteen, so it's okay that I say those things. I think in real life he's like 25. Yeah. They hire same, old people. I same as the girl who plays Eleanor. I swear she's been playing a teenager for the past like 10 years. Oh, know. it's like it's like that chick from Party of Five who was in Mean Girls. She played Gretchen Wieners. Oh yeah. She, she played a teenager for a long time. For the longest time. And when she was playing a teenager in Mean Girls, I was like, girl, aren't you like my age? 
or older than me like you were like the mid daughter on party of five I'm confused yeah I think like oh gosh like there's been a ton of like Gabrielle Union and Bianca Lawson played a teenager well into her like late 20s but she does look very young when I realized how old Gabrielle Union really was I was just like I don't know how to handle this because (laughs) you're the villain in 10 things I hate about you (laughs) that's what I always think about when I think of her you're supposed to be a sophomore. <laughs> this portion of the show is brought to you by Tidy Revival. If you find yourself stressed by clutter and want to create simple solutions that are easy to maintain, Carly Adams will teach you exactly what to do in the clutter-free home process course community. Learn the steps she uses with every client and tips to help you think like a home organizer using short easy steps plus get personalized accountability and access to the private community for a full year. Check it all out at tidyrevival.com slash pop to learn more. Season two released on July 15th of 2021. And I gobbled it up. Like, like I watched it in a day. It was like, don't bother me. I'm watching season two of never have I ever. IndieWire issued it a grade A minus and had this to say, never have I ever season two is just as delightful, funny, and relatable as season one. Thanks in large part to its cast. Here I go with the last names. Listen, I'm going to spell it for you. You're going to tell me how to say it. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Wait, who tell me the character's name. I'll pull up the IMDB. So you tell me their character's name. I'm pretty sure it's, and then the, I can tell you. it's the lead girl. Debbie because I'm realizing that yeah it's Debbie and then um her mom okay so these are South Indian names so they're a little bit different than what what I'm used to okay okay so let's see so the Debbie's name is Mayetri Ramakrishnan Ramakrishnan yeah okay and Purna Jagannathan Jagannathan probably Jagannathan I love her on Instagram, by the way. Okay, Paxton is 30 years old. What? April 27th, 1991. Oh my gosh. How? How? What? You blew my mind just now, in case you were curious. Devi is almost 20 in real life. Oh, wow. That's a big, that's a, that's a, that's a Hollywood age gap right there. I feel like. And Ben Gross is 21 in real life. Sorry, I don't know if you actually even want to know about this. but No, I love that stuff. I just, I knew, I quickly looked to make sure Paxton was over 18 before I was like, that boy is hot. Because it's, you know, it's a thing. I don't want to feel like a weird, dirty old lady. <laughs> you know who we didn't talk about yet that I actually really enjoyed too? Was um, Kamala. I really... <gasps> liked i liked the actor i think she's beautiful oh yeah and i really enjoy her character too because mm-hmm. you i also think because indian people get pushed to be like doctors and scientists a lot that they kind of had to go with that stereotype that she's going to be like the smart one but she's also so pretty that like people are like really you are a, a doctor you're going to be a scientist okay yeah yeah and you really see that in season two she's getting underestimated like she makes this breakthrough thing and doesn't get credited on the report and the guy she's seeing was like well you know he's like supportive of her but like I I just I loved that whole lot that whole segment for her in season two because in season one it was a lot of you know here's you know we're gonna do this arranged marriage and here's your future husband and she's dating somebody already and Mm -hmm. doesn't really want to go back to India and all these things. But in season two, I think they really gave her a lot more, especially something is super relatable because as women, that's a constant thing, right? Like we're doing all this work and then somebody else takes the credit. (laughs) And I love that she was like, my name needs to be on this report. Like I found this, this is my finding. It's like, get it girl. That's right. Give us the language to stand up for ourselves because teenage girls everywhere need to know, like, it's okay to stand up for yourself when you're the one who deserves the credit. Yep. I love how Debbie was always like, you know, 
nobody knows how nerdy you are because you're so pretty. <laughs> I do wish that they had more cultural things going on in the show. Okay. Like in the first season, they did go to like a prayer thing mm-hmm. at the school, which I thought was really cool because I am not Hindu myself, but I have a lot of family that are. So I like recognized it. Um, even the way that they dressed and stuff was, was a lot different than what my family does. Mm-hmm. But I do wish they had kind of embraced more things. Even they, the mom went to India and I don't even feel like you really got to experience like the Indian culture stuff in that. If yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Wish, Cause you go ahead. No, I, I just wish that they had gone to like an Indian wedding or something, or um, maybe they were trying to lead up to that with the Kamala thing when she was going to get married or whatever. So you could see Indian wedding. That's always like the big thing that when people find out I'm Indian, they're like, oh my gosh, I love Indian weddings. They're so beautiful and colorful. And I'm like, really? You think they're beautiful and colorful? I never heard that before. Like I always thought if I were to ever fall in love and marry a black guy, we would totally jump the broom because that's very uniquely a black experience, mm-hmm. but that would never be something that I would incorporate into my wedding. That's well, yeah, I would, I wouldn't incorporate that if I didn't marry um, a black man, but I think it's interesting. Like I just saw on Instagram the other day, um, a friend of mine went to an Indian wedding and they, and she wore a sari and she was totally decked out and she looked beautiful and everyone in the wedding looked beautiful, but it, it just, it was interesting to me. Cause I thought, you know, uh, that's the thing that we see a lot with people who marry into an Indian family, they'll do the traditional mm-hmm. and then, and, or they'll have an American, you know, type wedding. But in my mind, like I, if I marry a white guy, we're not jumping the broom. <laughs> like that is reserved for my future husband who is black. <laughs> So then of course I want to fall down this rabbit hole, which I don't have time for of the difference between like, you know, the, the, the merging of the cultures when you have like, uh, and somebody from Indian descent and a white person getting married compared to like the cultural differences when like a black person and a white person get married. Like I don't have that kind of time, but it's definitely on my list of things to like fall down the rabbit hole and find statistics about. I feel like religion plays a big part of it as well, because I didn't have an Indian wedding, Mm -hmm. but I'm also not Hindu. So I didn't have to have that kind of ceremony, but I just like this past summer, went to a wedding where my cousin got married and she's Hindu to a white guy. And they had like a full on Indian wedding because that's just when you're Hindu, that's what you do. Oh, this is my ignorance showing. I didn't realize it was tied to religion. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could have brought in elements of um, my Indianness, my heritage into my wedding, which I kind of did with like music and food and stuff like that. But like, it was a pretty um, westernized wedding. Gotcha. Interesting. I, okay. Add to my list of things I'm going to dive and learn about. Shai, thank you. I had no idea. And if it weren't for Mindy Kaling, I don't know if we would have had this conversation. (laughs) And then that makes me feel like a bad friend. No, not at all. At least you're asking. Yeah. I'm so curious about other cultures and I do wish I could, would, I wish I was able to make more time to learn more and do better. Um, I was just recently telling a friend that my, my job is currently sucking my soul. So I barely have time to shower. (laughs) It's hard to function when your soul is being sucked out of your body. Uh, um, anyway, the IndieWire article basically was saying like these two are MVPs and there's not even like a sour note in the entire show. And I think I agree because from season one to season two, we have so much growth for the characters. Like we talked about Paxton having his, um, getting more about him and realizing that he wants more for himself. And then, you know, Debbie's mom with Common, who's uh, Dr. Johnson. Jackson, Chris Jackson. Oh my gosh. And how like devastated Debbie was like, and how angry she was when she found out that her mom was like maybe dating. Mm-hmm. It's like Again, putting her dad on a pedestal is mm-hmm. like not, she just, I don't, she wasn't ready for that. And I also, I think it didn't help that her mom was sneaking around because her mom did sneak around. Yeah. And then it's kind of hypocritical of her. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, that whole thing, I was like, man, I get why she's sneaking around because that's hard to date when you have a teenager or just a child in general. What did you think of Debbie listening to her dad's voicemail on repeat whenever she was down? Like, I get how it has a coping mechanism, but also like that can't be a good way to move on past the trauma, you know, to just keep living in that 
sadness. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it like broke my heart when the when the phone died. Oh, or like when the phone broke and yeah. she like lost that part of her dad. Like I can, I can imagine how how she might feel about that. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was healthy to continuously listen to it over and over again. And I feel like she kind of used it as a justification of her mistakes a lot of the time. Because I would always be like, you're my perfect girl. And she's like, I didn't do anything wrong because I'm my dad's perfect girl. Yeah. You know, like that. And like, I, she needed those people to call her out on her bullshit. That yeah. maybe contradicted what her dad said. And so it kind of maybe was really hard to hear. Yeah. Yeah, that's got to be hard to lose the one person in your life who thinks you can do no wrong but then on the other hand like you have to have that balance like her friends totally call her out because she does do some shitty stuff Mm -hmm. oh my gosh her new friend we didn't even talk about her new friend yet oh yeah she's so cute and the whole bit about like because you know for those of you listening debbie's two best friends are eleanor who is of Asian descent and Fabiola, who is Afro-Latina is what I was thinking because her name's Fabiola. Yeah, I I think so. Making an unfair assumption, but I don't know any black girls named Fabiola. So I was leaning towards, she's probably Afro-Latina and somebody could totally correct me if I'm wrong because life. So she doesn't have a close friend who is of the same sort of cultural background. So then this new girl comes to school and she's cool and she's fun. And she's like, just super rad. And everybody calls her, I think they refer to her as like the cool Indian girl or something like that. And so Debbie's immediately like, hold up. Indian girl is my territory. Who is this B? And then they eventually become friends. But I thought her moment of realization of needing a friend who is culturally the same or similar was kind of a big point of the show because Mm -hmm. she's, you know, she comes into the house and she's like, yes, hi, auntie. And all this stuff that, you know, taking the shoes off and it's not an issue. And, you know, she just understands like, like she's happy about the food snacks that her mom's made her like just this sort of validation of like, Debbie's not weird. These things that her family does aren't weird because this friend is like, oh, I love this. And yes, and totally understands how to interact. And I guess because I'm biracial, it's different because there's things where it's just like, I don't know, all my friends are white. (laughs) So it's like, no, you can't really, you're not, so you really can't talk to, you need to be mindful about my, like having, so I, here's where I'm going. Shy. I promise I have a point. That's okay. Having to explain to my friends when I had grandparents still alive, like, here's the way that you should probably interact with my grandparents. Like, these are, this is, you know, this is how you need to uh, um, engage with them. If we go to their house, you can't, like, you literally can't do X, you know, like, you need to refer to them as this. This is what we need, you know, kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, some of my friends who are, come from like a background of, not the same background, but they come from like a cultural background and be like, you know, a little bit like, you don't have to have the same, you don't have to have that conversation. So seeing her not have to have that conversation and have that hurdle. And then her mom saying something like, now this is how your friend should be <laughs> or something like that. Like, I love this girl. So I don't know. Was that like impactful? Cause to me from the outsider, it felt impactful to me, but I don't know, like from your perspective. So as far as that, um, when they actually started being friends, I thought it reminded me a lot of being little because growing up, I was really lucky to live in a place where I lived. I grew up in San Jose. So I was super multicultural. Like all my classmates were Vietnamese, Mexican, white, black, Indian. Like there was a huge smorgasbord of people that I got to grow up with. So it wasn't weird for me to have other Indian people around. And in fact, growing up, I think that all the only friends that I ever had, like come to my house really had like one white friend that lived around the corner so she'd come over but like the only other friends that would come over were my other Indian friends and so I was like that was just a regular thing for me to constantly interact with other Indian people one thing that I that did strike something in me was how jealous she felt Mm. of the cool Indian girl being like the nerdy weird Indian girl because I have definitely felt that way before and you know you like try not to 
be like, oh, you should be empowering other women. Don't be jealous. But like, you can't help it when you see somebody else that you feel like is way prettier or way cooler or way like more put together than you and you compare yourself. Like I've definitely been like in that position where I'm like, oh, she's like the better version of me. So I I totally get that. I get that. And then two of their peers are kind of like acknowledging it too. Like, oh, this is the better one and the better version. So that's not helpful because Debbie already has like this complex going on Mm -hmm. with herself. So I get, I mean, I get that. Did you have a favorite like storyline specific, like to a character or just in general? Because there was a lot of like, obviously we have Debbie's storyline, but then there's a lot of like smaller ones throughout too. Like we've got Fabiola having a girlfriend and her relationship and then the you know how she's responding with her mom and then you have um like we've talked about Paxton's side story already a couple times little little sprinklings in there or even her friends the new friend storyline like with the history behind you know why she had to leave her other school and came to this school was there one that you really like resonated with the most I so there was a couple of little side relationships that I really enjoyed like I loved uh, Debbie and her therapist. Mm-hmm. I loved Debbie and her teacher, the Indian teacher, which I thought was really cute. And yes, it was he um, plays the he plays her brother, Mindy Kaling's brother on the Mindy Project. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a Utkarsh Ambakar. I probably butchered that myself too. He's also very handsome. He's very, very cute. Yes, I agree. He's really funny too. Yes, he was on this. He was in this movie called Blind Spotting, and then they brought him back on the show for the season season one finale because they mm-hmm. did a show spinoff. And I was like, oh, yes, I need him in everything. I will yeah, stare at you forever. He also plays. Um, he's he's in Mira, the Royal Detective. He plays one of like Mira's little pets, the little mongooses. That oh my has. goodness, I had no it's idea. Really so I really love that relationship. Um, who else did I really? Oh, you know who I really loved? I really loved Paxton's relationship with his sister too. Yes. I thought that was a really cute, it was like very humanizing for him. And she was not afraid to ever call out his bullshit too, which yes. I thought was really cute. Oh, Paxton, a mixed kid, super. I'm here for all the mixed representation. I don't care what your mix is. Yeah, there was is. a lot. Yeah. How about how her teacher was all up on Kamala? Was, oh yeah, I thought yeah. that was real. I saw that coming. I saw that coming. I was like, oh, you guys would be so cute. I ship you. Is that a thing? Do kids still do that? Do they still ship? I don't know. Do they? I still say it. I do too. We are supported by Maya, My Yoga Audio. Looking for a great read and a great listen? Then you want to read the short but powerful life and death memoir by Megan Morgan called The End of Me. It's about Megan's three brushes with death. And believe me when I say that it is meant to be a movie one day, friends. Also, check out Megan's interviews with wellness professionals and creatives, as well as yoga and meditation classes on her podcast, Maya, My Yoga Audio. You can find the book and the podcast on her website, myyogaaudio.com. Tune in to My Yoga Audio wherever you listen to this podcast and buy the book directly from Megan. The End of Me is also available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other major online book retailers. We are looking for advertising partners. When you support this podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. If that's you, email us at popculturemakesmejealous to get started. Just put ad partner interest in the subject line. Can't wait to hear from you. So on August 19th, Netflix announced that they're going to come back for season three for Never nice. Have I Ever. And I'm so excited. Oh, before we get into that, what did you think? Because, you know, John McEnroe is like the narrator for the whole thing. But then in <laughs> yes. season two, they had. Oh, what's her Gigi face? Hadid. Thank you. I one, knew it was a Hadid. Was Paxton's. Yes. What did you think about that? Because a lot of people were like, nope, not here for it. I loved it. I loved it too. Well, in this first season, they had Andy Samberg be the voice for Ben. Oh, that's right. In his like episode where they talked about him. And I thought it was really like, I thought Gigi Hadid, when I first heard Gigi Hadid, I was like, 
that's a weird choice, but it kind of made sense. Like they're always just been thought of for their looks and like not mm-hmm. for their brains. And for everything I've heard about Gigi Hadid, she seems like a cool person. So yeah, I don't know. Mixed girl. <laughs> Yeah, which is, is actually, which is pretty clever. Like I was like, I love that they have also somebody who is mixed being the narrator for somebody who's mixed. I don't know if that was the intention, but if it was good job, never have I ever. No, I, I appreciate it. And it, I always like those episodes too, because I feel like it's very humanizing for that character mm-hmm. and gives you like other options of what you might think they might be. I would like to see, okay. So let's talk about season three because mm-hmm. We're getting it. I'm very excited about that. And I just feel like give us give us her all the way through high school. Just give us all the way through high school because I need to see where this goes. What do you want to see in season three? And should they introduce new characters? Because I think the show is fine the way it is now with the characters that they have. Like, I think they could go deeper. I want to see more Indian events shown in the, in the show. In the season three, um, like a wedding or another prayer service or like, uh, like an Indian, like they're in high school. Well, okay, so Debbie and Anissa are like the only Indians in the school, so I guess their school wouldn't have like an Indian night or like a talent show or whatever. Like minded, minded have have like, we had Indian stuff going on all the time in my <laughs> high school, and I was a dancer, so I always had to. Oh, that is another thing. The actress that plays Kamala is a professionally trained dancer. Indian dancer, like how I used to do it. And so I would love, love if they had her do a performance on the show. Yeah. There's actually a really cool YouTube video um, where they, um, Divi and Gamla did a dance. It was like a, just an ad for the show, but it was really cool. And you can see that she's a really good dancer. So mm-hmm. I would love to see like a performance on the show um, or like a wedding or something, just something that just like screams Indian. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is there a significant, so you like, you know, in the Mexican culture, they have the quinceaneras and mm-hmm. then in, for Jewish folks, they, you know, have their bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah. Is there a significant birthday celebration that happens in the Indian culture? Again, this is my ignorance showing. Well, I don't think it's like a traditional thing, like, but in my family, we always do sweet 16s for the girls. Okay. Um, like I had a huge sweet 16 birthday party and my cousins all did too. But that's not really like a, a regional thing. That's just a, sure, sure. probably a family thing. But yeah. they could do something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, in our family, we literally celebrate everything. <laughs> you made it home safe. Let's celebrate. <laughs> Everyone got vaccinated. We're celebrating. Yes, that is something to celebrate. Yeah, you got an A on your test. Let's celebrate. <laughs> We're such celebratory people that it, I think it, it I my former brother-in-law could not handle how often we celebrated. He was just like, it's, you know, cause he doesn't come from a family culture that does that. So for me, I'm like mental note, you, you need to either lie to me or like my partner, future partner needs to lie to me about being okay with all the celebrating, or you just need to be okay with all the celebrating because we're not, not celebrating. Yeah. Do you want to see more growth between Debbie and Ben? in season three or do you like what do you think the natural trajectory for that will be for season three so if it i don't know about season three in general but i feel like the natural trajectory for the show arc will be debbie with paxton until the end and i think that ben is the end game yeah but Maybe like a mature Debbie will be like, yes, Ben is my, uh, but also like she's in high school. So maybe she doesn't end up with anybody and that's totally fine too. I would love to see that. I would love to see her grow out of being boy crazy and just like still having a healthy, like, but not necessarily in season three. This is why I need, a, I need, we need her for all of high school because I want <laughs> to see her grow and develop out of being super boy crazy mm-hmm. and into more like, yes, I want a relationship. Yes, I'm a horny girl. But also I have these bigger things that I want to achieve. Like yeah. I'd love to see that in the course of her entire high school career. So Netflix and Mindy Kaling, if you are listening, <laughs> I need to see Debbie graduate from high school. I need that emotional payout for all of this experience. I would, it would be interesting to see too what her relationship with, I can't remember the new girl's name to save my Anissa. life. Thank you what that looks like too, because she and Ben kind of got a little cozy there for a while. And Debbie did not like that. Didn't they, 
Didn't she end up with somebody at the end? She did, yeah. Who did she end up with? I can't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember either. But they kind of like were teasing her, but she didn't know that they were teasing her because like, you know, they would like, they they bonded a little bit, she and Ben, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, they realized it's not going to be anything. And I would like to see something more with Kamala and the fella she's dating Mm -hmm. and see where that goes. I get, I feel, I felt really bad for her in that scene where she like ran from her future when her, her uh, fiance came with his parents and she's like, nope, not going to do this. Nope. As an outsider who literally can't find anybody uh, to fall in love with her, uh, the idea of an arranged marriage is very appealing at this point in my life, Mm. but not my parents. I don't want my parents to pick that person. I found all of that representation. I always find that representation fascinating, the arranged marriage stuff. I just find it so fascinating because you hear such a mix of, well, they never fall in love or they eventually fall in love. It's like always one or the other. And I appreciate that they, they show her conflict because she was conflicted in the season one too, Mm -hmm. about the person that she was supposed to be supposedly, you know, choosing or whatever. Netflix did a show called Indian matchmaker. I did not watch that, but I did hear about it. It was really interesting as an outsider (laughs) right because I don't know (laughs) I come from Italians and black people they're just like yes baby get married at 20 (laughs) no don't tell us that I mean not everyone just in my family was there any okay now we're getting personal was there ever any pressure for you to like get into an arranged marriage situation not really for me only because I was always very outspoken against it. Mm. And I was always like uh, the rebel child. <laughs> not, not when I was a child, but like once I got into my late 20s, uh, late teens and early 20s, like I was obviously like the rebel kid um, and out there doing my own thing. And like my parents were like, she's not going to do that. Um, yeah. But my parents have an arranged marriage. And luckily, so this is funny, but when my mom first met my dad, she was like, hell no, I'm not marrying this dork. My dad's very nerdy. That's where I get it from. And she was like, but I guess he's like my key out of here because they were in the Fiji Islands and she didn't want to live there anymore. She wanted to come to America. My dad already lived out here. And she was like, I guess that's whatever. She was like 17. It was her first opportunity to get, you know, out of uh, her situation. And so she married my dad and they've been married now for... 40 years and they're wow. very happy now like they fell in love with each other thank goodness yeah um and they have a great marriage but like I don't want that I didn't want that for myself like yeah. I I'm like okay so you can't get mad at me because you brought me to America and you raised me in America and now I'm gonna think like an American and I want a marriage from love not right. because you know my parents forced me to get married yeah. and a marriage marriage is still around um but it's more like, oh, I know this boy that might be a good, like people, like more people have a actual input now than mm. how they used to. Like my mom didn't really have much of a choice. She had like between two guys to choose from and she had to say yes to one of them. Mm-hmm. So thank God she chose my dad. Yeah. <laughs> We're all but, grateful for that. Cause we love yes. you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, but now it's more of like a, a choice and oh, more and more, at least in America, it's like more of a choice for the young people now. And like, they have options or mm-hmm. not get arranged marriage, but like, there's still like Indian only online matchmaking. That's still very popular. Oh it's, yeah. Like hugely popular. So interesting. Um, or like getting married for a green card. Yeah. Stuff like that is still around. It's just not, it wasn't for me. I get that. <sighs> at, at 18, 19, 20, shit, even 30, you know, this whole like, you will do this. <laughs> will I though? <laughs> That's cute. And I always understood because we're so indoctrinated with a freaking Anglo culture, you know, as much as we want to acknowledge that we're not, we really and truly are to an extent. I always understood it as like, you know, the princess of England is going to marry the prince of Germany. So we don't war each other because <laughs> yeah. then we're family. <laughs> So I think that's probably why I'm so fascinated by cultures who like literally just do arranged marriages because that's the norm and not because you're trying to have world peace, which mm-hmm. ultimately failed anyway, 
(laughs) those European marriages didn't do shit for peace. If you ever sit and watch Indian matchmaker, I would love to know your thoughts and opinions about it. Because again, as an outsider, it's this show that letting us in to what it's like, like the matchmaker literally is told by one of the moms, like we'd prefer like a lighter skinned one, you know? And I was just like, the fuck? Like, oh, Indians are extremely colorist. Extremely really? colorist. Oh yeah. It's awful. It can be awful. My, like my sister is a darker tone skin than I am. And, but we basically have the same face mm-hmm. and people have told her like, oh, you're, you're so pretty, but your skin's so dark. Oh my God. And I, yeah. And I have a cousin that like, seriously, she could be a model if she was like a couple inches taller. She's so pretty, but she's got darker skin. And so people are always like, oh, it's such a sad thing that your skin's so dark. Oh my God. Like, it's, it's a very, it's a very colorist, uh, mind frame. That's that a lot of Indians have. That's wild. Like I'm used to colorism in the black community, right? Mm-hmm. Like people say all the time to me, well, I wouldn't have known if I didn't know your dad. And just, and then I have people who are like, no, that girl's totally black. I'm just like, whatever you want to see is what you <laughs> see, homie. Like, just don't fucking kill me. That statement was what opened my eyes to like, oh, other like minority groups and like people of color groups have the same experience with like Mm -hmm. this proximity to lightness and whiteness like what like I was like 36 years old when I learned that which felt like oh man our education system is such a failure (laughs) final thoughts okay and the final thing I want to talk about is do you think going back to Paxton (laughs) Do you think Paxton will have like a moment and just kind of prove everybody wrong? That he's just a pretty face? That he's more than a pretty face. I think so. I, th- I definitely think the scene where he brought his grandpa to school to talk about mm-hmm. um, what he had gone through as a child in the internment camps. I think that really helped people see see him as not just a pretty face I feel like even the teacher had been like underestimating him that whole time and and maybe not underestimating him and just like rising to what was like Paxton just kind of like relied on his pretty face for Mm -hmm. the most part and so he didn't even try so the teacher was just used to that and the fact that he finally did try a little bit I think was I, I think we're gonna see Paxton in a new light in the next season coming up yeah. I really appreciated that they broke his arm and forced him into this position of having to like reckon with himself. Cause it mm-hmm. is really hard when you are like an attractive human and then something goes wrong. And then what makes you, you is no longer an option. Mm-hmm. You have to dig deeper. And I really appreciate that they framed it in the way that they framed it for Paxton. And he's like, I, I loved his relationship with him and his grandpa. I thought that was so sweet. Oh yeah. I also hope that Debbie gets, like I said, I hope she gets more growth too next year or next season, which will probably be next year. Who knows when they're going to film. Do you have anything else that you want to, that we didn't um, touch on that you want to bring up? No, I think, I think that I was just really happy to have a show that made, like it maybe not, wasn't my own you know, my own experience, but I was a young teenage Indian person like living that life. So it was nice seeing somebody that reminded me of me on television. Mm -hmm. Finally. Yeah. Because who knows if streaming services last forever, but how great will that be for your daughter to like, hopefully this opens the doors for more stories and more, um, but you know what? It never does, which I don't want to be a pessimist, <laughs> but it like, we always think hopefully it'll open more doors, but then it never fucking does. And that's so irritating. So like I'm publicly here to say, I need more stories from Indian content creators. So Netflix chop, chop, let's mm-hmm. do it. Find, find us tap that talent Hulu. I don't give a shit who, who does it give them the opportunity because I'm so curious now. And I noticed last year after watching never have I ever actually went through and read three different books by Indian writers. And I don't know if I would have done that if it hadn't been for like this show coming out and me being like, Oh, I'm so curious to learn like more about the Indian American experience in that way. Like I would 
to my own debt, you know, to my own ignorance, it wasn't, I was so busy dealing with my own hurdles and struggles as a biracial person in America that it never occurred to me to like learn more about another culture that, cause I'm never misidentified as an Indian person. I'm misidentified as, um, you know, Mexican or Puerto Rican. So, uh, you know, I fall down those, those rabbit holes of like, mm-hmm. here's why I'm not that. Oh, I get misidentified all the time. Really? Mm-hmm. People think I'm Hispanic all the time. Oh my goodness. My mom too. My mom has very short brown hair and she, she does look like she could be. And people get upset sometimes when we're like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Hispanic at all. I'm so sorry. Oh or I've been called gosh. a bad Mexican before for not knowing how to speak Spanish. And oh I'm like, no, I'm a bad Indian. Cause I don't know how to speak Hindi. <laughs> like, get it I'm right. Bad Mexican. Oh my gosh. Or like Middle Eastern. I've gotten Italian before. Um, my sister has been misidentified as like half black before. Um, yeah, I get that. Wild. I mean, it's not that wild. It's just the shit we're in. You know, people don't know what to record. You know, they equate you to what they are most familiar with, whether or not it's right or wrong. Yeah. Forgetting that, you know, we're a wide variety of lots of things. <laughs> the worst is when I get misidentified as Middle Eastern, almost only because uh, it's usually stemming from a place of ignorance and hate. Yeah, that's got to be hard. I mean, it's hard to be brown in America, period, the end. You could have a day, yeah, you could go a whole day and not have anything happen to you. And then the the next three weeks, you know, you've got shit coming at you where you're just like, fuck, that one day was so nice. (laughs) And for some people that day never comes. They just have every single day as a hurdle and a struggle because of the body they're in. And that's just not okay. And again, stems from ignorance and a lack of understanding and a refusal to learn is what oh, I've yeah. noticed That's too. Mm-hmm. Shy, I just love it when you come by. <laughs> sorry, we kind of ended on a bummer note. I'm sorry. I know. Let's okay. Let's let's end on a high. Let's end on a better note. Okay. Uh, Mindy Kaling's movie Late Night. I mean, again, I she. It yet. Oh my I god, do. I love it. I know it's on my list of things to do because I also love Emma Thompson. So I don't yes. know. I haven't watched it yet, but I I haven't got a chance to. She wrote that role specifically for Emma Thompson with her in mind. Oh, really? Didn't even know her. She was like, "I'm gonna write this, and then we'll see." And I just love that Emma Thompson was like, "I'm in it," and Amy Ryan's in it again. I love Mindy Kaling's loyalty to her office cast. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that's so wonderful. You have she's so funny in it. She's like, you know, a 30 plus year old coming from some, I don't know, bio something industry and wants to be a comedy writer. And I'm just like, Mindy Kaling, you're giving me hope that I could be a 30 something potential comedy writer. First time comedy writer for a late night talk show. No, I can't. But Mindy Kaling made me think I can. You can. Who says you can't? I don't know. The world does. The world doesn't want what I'm putting out there. Shay, nobody gives a shit what I do. Like work so hard. I'm so tired. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I do recommend that movie. And listeners, you have to watch. Never have I ever. It's so good. There is something in there for everybody. Even if you don't identify with the cultural aspect of the show, there is a character in the show for everyone that keeps you coming back and wanting to continue the story better note to end on that was a better note to end yes, on yeah, okay <laughs> oh, and shy is probably gonna come back for all the marvel things because yes. now she's our resident marvel expert <laughs> i know what we missed something Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. we'll have to get that on the books because you know what's interesting oh my god you know how they put Black Widow on um direct access premiere mm-hmm. access and in the movie yes theater? Yeah, and you then know they what got they, their lawsuits. And then they got their lawsuits. But you know what they didn't do to Shang-Chi? Disney Plus. Yep. So they are, they're going to do it uh, November 12th or something like that. And they're going to they, theme it. They didn't they're going to call it Disney Plus Day. They didn't do premiere access like I they know. did with Black. So it's interesting. So now I'm like, did that? So I got to find time to find the internet. Did you make that decision because of the Black Widow lawsuit? Or was that always the plan? kind of want to say that they always had it as the plan just because 
I don't remember hearing anything about Shang-Chi coming to Disney Plus. Yeah. I think it was always a plan to do only movie theaters and see how well it did so that they know what to do for the Eternals. Yeah. Oh, which I'm also very excited about. Mm -hmm. But also I'm like, you fucking fucked up Scarlett Johansson. Like that's messed up, man. Mm -hmm. It makes me mad. And I love Disney. I do. I'm like the biggest Disney person, but I'm still like for shame. Yeah. I'm team ScarJo on that one. Amen. Yes. Cause come on. <sighs> Whatever. But you'll have to come back when I have time to write the, when we have time to talk about Shang-Chi. I get it's going to have to be after premiere access. Cause it's been so long since I've seen it now that I can't. I remember. know me too. I want to wait. And then we could probably do like Shang-Chi and the Eternals close by to each other. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I know I'm going to go see that. All that to say, Shai will be back. I'm very excited. Our Loki episode will come out um, the day that Hawkeye airs. As always, friends, if you want to keep up with us in between shows, you can find us on Instagram at Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. And if you haven't already, uh, be sure to like, subscribe, or leave a review of the show wherever you find your podcasts, unless it's Spotify, because on Spotify, you cannot leave a review. But anywhere else, go ahead and do that. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time.